amid the highest inflation in 40 years, amid major market volatility and more fears of a global crisis thanks to an infinite amount of money printing, primarily by the Federal Reserve. It's worthwhile to ask at this very moment, do we need a Fed? Maybe, maybe the Federal Reserve ought to be replaced by a computer as Milton Friedman, the Nobel Prize winning economist, once suggested. Hey, maybe it's time. Welcome everyone to the program. I am Trish Regan. Portions of today's program are brought to you by Legacy Precious Metals. I'll tell you, as we look at all this inflation, it really provides a new reason, if you would, to be thinking about gold as a way to diversify your portfolio, maybe even a gold-backed IRA. This is something that Legacy Precious Metals can help you with. Go and get your free guide there at LegacyPMInvestments.com today. Okay, we got sky-high inflation, major market volatility, and the threat of a real problem. Like, I mean, systemic crisis, all of what we saw in 2008. The difference is we don't have any firepower. Well, how are we going to fix this, given that we've already spent trillions and trillions of dollars? I mean, estimates somewhere between 6 and $7 trillion that was printed since March 2020. It really makes you stop and think about whether or not now's the time to reconsider that computer in replace of the Federal Reserve bankers that, my gosh, like they just keep getting it wrong. Let's start first here with a little history lesson, why this all came into being. It, it came about in 1914 after a bunch of investment banks kind of demanded it. You see, we had a big problem in 1907. The banking system was really facing a crisis. And so all the banks got together, led actually by J.P. Morgan. Don't forget J.P. Morgan's CEO, Jamie Dimon, is the one who keeps warning of something that's even worse than a recession. What does that mean? Well, we can talk about that too. But anyway, back in 1907, they had this big panic in the banking system. So all the big bankers, they got together and they came up with a Band-Aid, right? A way to fix what was going on. They basically suspended deposits from turning into currency, and that was their way of fixing things. But they weren't too happy about it. It was pretty scary stuff. And so they went to government and they said, you know what? We got to find a better system. So in 1914, the Federal Reserve, the first central bank of the United States, was created. And the idea was they were going to prevent any kind of major, major banking crisis. And then along the way, they said, okay, we're going to try and stabilize employment and we're going to try and make sure there's not too much inflation. And that was sort of their charter. But somewhere along the way, a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Somewhere along the way, they became, I don't know, shall we say a little engrossed in themselves and their own ability? I mean, there's a certain stereotype, if you would, about these central bankers that think that they can play God with the economy. They know more than the average American that's buying products or selling their products every day. They know more than the markets. <laughs> I'll tell you, the invisible hand, it still exists. And this is something that Milton Friedman, the Nobel Prize winning economist, well-known academic out of U Chicago and a smart, smart guy. This is something he understood. If only everyone nowadays could read a little bit more Milton Friedman. If, if only these Federal Reserve bankers were a little bit more schooled in that train of thought as opposed to maybe the political train of thought that keeps them money printing year after year after year after year. You know, it, there are ways, by the way, before we get too deep into this, to reallocate and consider different assets in your portfolio. And I would encourage you to go check out my friends over at Key City Capital to do that. KeyCityCapital.com slash Trish, because they are trying to use debt as an instrument really to help you grow your income. Don't forget, you know, I mean, treasury rates, they're going way up. We're over 4% now on the 10-year. 
And for people who want to save, that can be a very productive way of saving. Also, with real estate prices plunging, again, another potential opportunity. So keycitycapital.com, they are looking at all of these opportunities. You can give them a ring there. Charlie Dombach, you may have seen him on the program, keycitycapital.com slash Trish. But back to Milton Freeman for a moment, because he got it, right? He, he knew that human nature often complicates things. And that's exactly what has happened throughout history with the Federal Reserve. Think about the M2 money supply. This is M2 money supply really, you know, measures how much money is in the system. Well, interestingly enough, as you went through the years prior to the crash of 1929, you know, those really happy giddy days, 1920s, think the great Gatsby and all that. Well, that was all about a lot of money in the system. Times were good and the Fed was printing. And then in 1929, as the bottom sort of fell out from under and everybody came up with this realization that the party just couldn't continue indefinitely, you had, of course, that really, really bad market day, the great crash, October 24th, 1929. What do you know? We just passed that anniversary known as Black Thursday. It was the day of the largest sell-off of shares in U.S. history on a percentage basis. So what did the Federal Reserve bankers think was worthwhile to do at that time? take money out of circulation. Oh, like that made sense, right? The the market's plunging. You're going into a major economic challenge. Really, that was the beginning of the Great Depression. And these brilliant academics over at the central bank, they decide to take money out of circulation, something that Milton Friedman was very famous for criticizing. In fact, some have also argued, and I'm of this belief, that the Federal Reserve actually contributed to having that big market sell-off back on October October 24th, 1929, because they were the ones that were printing all the money, making everything so easy, right? Easy money. Money is not easy. Earning money is not easy. Money doesn't grow on trees. And yet when you create an environment where you print so much money, putting that much cash into the system, things may seem good for a little while, but eventually you're going to pay the price. And that's exactly what happened in 1929. So these brilliant you know, academics decided, well, we're going to take all the money out, right? Because all that money supply, that that created the problem. So now we're just going to take it out. And so they decreased the M2, the money supply, significantly, massively. And by taking all that money out of circulation, they ensured an even greater crisis. So it's an important, it's an important note as we think about right now what the Fed is trying to do. And I'm going to get to that in a second because I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. In other words, if we start to really decline, if we see a massive decline in GDP in the coming months, and I don't necessarily think you're going to get that on this print, but it could come in in the next six months to a year. If you start seeing that decline, well, then how the heck do you continue taking money out of circulation? Because if you do, you're going to run exactly the same risk that the Federal Reserve took. And by the way, you know, blew it on back in 1929 through 1933. So importantly, when you think about the inflation that's been happening now, and you look at the increase in money supply, which was the largest in history, just a massive increase, more than 25% increase in that money supply, more than had ever happened ever before. Well, you have to ask yourself the question, did they not actually create this themselves by printing and printing and printing more? They did. They did. And not only did the Federal Reserve do that, but the administration, both the previous administration as well as this administration contributed to it as well. And don't forget, the Federal Reserve is there to ensure that we don't have these major, major, major problems or any kind of banking crisis. 
So it would make sense that the Federal Reserve jump in in March 2020, just like I think it made sense that the federal government did something as well. I don't think they needed to close down the entire economy, but they did. They did need to do something. So I'm not going to begrudge the administration that. I think the Trump administration did what was needed in the time other than shutting down the economy. And then the Federal Reserve did what it needed to do. But at some point, guys, you know what? You got to you got to end it. Right. And yet. We saw more and more money get printed and more and more money get handed out. And Joe Biden's answer is to still continue handing out money via these student loans. I mean, talking about just a wild thing to do at a really difficult time. So the idea is you've got to work aggressively, very hard right now to get this money out of circulation. And once it's out of circulation, then you can reassess. But you have a bunch of very timid people and a bunch of people that think they know better that aren't willing to do what needs to be done in the here and now. And this is exactly why we're in this mess, because you had Janet Yellen and Jerome Powell and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and Pete Buttigieg and the rest of them trying to tell us that this inflation was transitory. I told you it wasn't. Larry Summers, by the way, former Treasury Secretary under Clinton, told you it wasn't. There's no way it could be, because guess what? You had way too much money chasing very few goods, obviously. Goods were few and far between because the whole economy was shut down and factories were shut down. So you didn't have enough inventory. And yet you said, okay, we're going to flood the system with cash. Brilliant move, guys. Really brilliant. Look, it's happened over and over again. You look at the run-up in home prices and how every Tom, Dick and Harry and Jill, Jane and Sue were out there buying homes that they absolutely couldn't afford because interest rates were so darn low, leading to a whole host of other problems. And you know what? Our federal government was to blame. Our Wall Street investment banks were to blame. But you know what? I, I still get back to the guys that are supposed to know better and the gals that are supposed to know better on the Federal Reserve and to not, to not have seen that one coming, to not have realized that people were not going to be able to afford those loans and, and, and they were just being made so cheaply and, and money was so abundant. To not understand the ramifications of that is really kind of almost criminal. And yet it just happens over and over again. Again, most recently now. And now here we are coming up on the anniversary of, by the way, another bad day, Black Tuesday. That was October 29th, 1929, the day that investors traded some 16 million shares on the New York Stock Exchange in a single solitary day. Here we are coming up on that, looking at possibly another really bad situation. So it it brings up the issue of whether or not we need to rethink this Federal Reserve as it currently is. I know (laughs) Ron Paul, former congressman from Texas, feels so passionately about this. I've spoken to him many, many times. He wrote a book on it. He pushed to try and get rid of the Fed altogether. I don't don't even think he wanted the computer that Milton Friedman wanted. But his view was that these folks just keep getting it wrong. And by interfering in the market overall, you're creating a whole host of other problems. I go back to the computer idea because I I do think that the data is pretty clear. And I look at the exact same data the Federal Reserve looks at. Heck, I, I hope they have better data than me, but I look at all the economic numbers and share them with you as they come out. And this is why I felt so strongly, so passionately that we needed to stop the money printing. (laughs) And you go back and listen to it. I I, I was losing it over this transitory stuff. I, I still am because this is all so needless. If they had just looked fairly at this data, as opposed to thinking that somehow they could make it all work, they could engineer this so-called soft landing, they're not going to get it. In fact, I think we're looking at basically a lost decade because think about what needs to happen right now. If they say, oh, you know, the economy is getting soft. We don't think this is really going to work. Maybe we have to hold up 
on all of this? Well, you still have all that money out there circulating. And then everybody goes and does the same thing all over again. And then you get another run up in prices and they're back at square one saying, "Mm, maybe we need to pull back. But if they don't pull back, you start to get real runaway inflation. And so you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't at this point in time, if you're the Federal Reserve Bank, because you didn't do what was needed all along. But this is what keeps on happening. And my question now is whether or not we've reached a tipping point. When you think about some of these other ideas that have been floated out there, and you think about Bitcoin, for example, and what it's designed to represent. I'm not saying people are going to be running to Bitcoin. I mean, you know, when the going gets tough, I think people do ultimately still want to be in the US dollar because we're still the world's reserve currency. But I question how long in some ways that can continue. I'm not saying it's going to end today or tomorrow or or even a decade from now. But if we start to look forward for the next 50 years or heck, you know, why not the next 100? Because that's what China's doing. Can we really keep up this charade? Because this is effectively a kind of money printing counterfeiting business. I mean, the Fed is there to protect us, right, against counterfeiting. And yet that's kind of what they're doing themselves, all in this desire to even things out. <laughs> Look who's here. Look who just walked in. I've got Fluffy here with me. And now he's allowed to make these little guest appearances because uh, I have something that I, I just want to mention to you uh, about Fluffy, who is my dog, by the way. I should I should mention that. And if you're watching on YouTube or if you're watching on Rumble, you can see Fluffy here because he really is kind of fluffy. <laughs> he's a little Maltese. Wonderful, wonderful dog that I've had for a few years now and just has made such a wonderful difference really in my family's life. We love this little guy. And so he gets his own little sugar that effectively goes on top of his food. And I'm not talking about, you know, sugar as in the sugar that the Federal Reserve has been giving the markets. I'm talking about real stuff. I'm talking about nutrients, including digestive enzymes, including all antioxidants, including minerals, essential vitamins, all the things that Fluffy needs to have a really healthy lifestyle. Look, I live a healthy lifestyle. My family, it's critical to me that they live a healthy lifestyle. So it makes sense that I want my little Maltese here, my little guy who means so much to me to have a healthy lifestyle as well. And I know that he is getting what he needs Every single day when I sprinkle a little bit of this on his food, it's sort of like the the hot sauce or, or the sugar on top makes him love his food. And I'm so happy because I know he's getting all of those vitamins. You know, when they say eat your broccoli, right? This is a way to ensure that your dog is getting his broccoli. I wish our economy would get its broccoli, <laughs> so to speak. Anyway, I met the founder of this company, Rough Greens, by the way, R-U-F-F greens.com. And his, his name is Dennis Black. He's a, he's a doctor, a naturopathic doctor. And Dr. Black really felt very strongly both about his own health and also his animals. Because like me, he's a pet owner and cares so much about making sure that they have a healthy lifestyle. So he developed this product. You can get it right now. Actually, Dr. Black is offering this. No strings attached. All you have to do is pay for shipping and get a free bag of Rough Greens. If you go to Rough, R-U-F-F greens.com today and you just fill it out and he'll send one to you. And I, I think it's worth it. I think Fluffy would agree <laughs> anyway. Uh, he is a fan. He is a fan. And I'm a fan because he's a fan. And I'm a fan because I know that he's eating well. Something that we as a society really need to think about. And, and I mean that when I say, you know, eating your broccoli, so to speak, in that we need to sometimes just do what's right from a political perspective, from an economic perspective, 
from a social perspective. We need to do what's right for ourselves. We need to take care of ourselves. And that means taking care of our health and our country's health. And to take care of our country's health, you need a healthy economy. I I said this from the beginning. It's the reason why it was such a mistake to shut down this country back in March 2020. Because you know what? If you're going to fight something like that, you need to have a healthy economy to do it. And we need to be willing as a society to, to, to confront things head on. I, I think that that's been lost perhaps over the years. I get it. I understand it. We're getting soft <laughs> in more ways than one. But at some point, it's going to catch up with us, kind of when we least expect it. And I fear as we approach now these challenging days that we saw back in 1929, October 24th, and then again on the 29th, I fear that we don't quite know what this is going to be. So I guess I have that in common with Jamie Dimon. Anyway, so good to have you here. Please make sure that you have subscribed to my newsletter at trishintel.com. Sign up. It's free every day and you get all kinds of special invitations, including to an event that I have coming up with uh, Charles Thormack from Legacy Precious Metals. We're both going to be there. If you sign up there on my newsletter, I'll make sure that you get an invite to this event. It's all free and you can speak directly with me and be part of this special conference there. Uh, Charles will be joining us as well. So make sure you go to trishintel.com and I'll see you tomorrow. 